Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Bears Izzy for breakfast on the 14th of September. A massive show, Izzy. You gave us Aucklanders. You made us feel good today, mate. I thank, thank you for that. You made us feel good. We're still in level four up here. Yeah, I just had to give a little shout-out to Auckland. They've been doing some amazing work so far, and hopefully all the work that has been done can be rewarded soon and we can get down a level up in the big smoke. It has a lot to offer, and there'll be a lot of people that'll be struggling uh, I'm sure. So just a bit of love. But, mate, we've had a great show. We've had a great show. We got to talk to Cruz Tangera out of the men's uh, netball side. Their up-and-coming competition with the Silver Ferns after the cancellation of the Constellation Cup. So it was great little insights from him. We also spoke to Mark Orzich from the Hawks Bay Magpies and their build-up to this Sunday, the Battle of the Bays. And it's also a Ram Furley Shield defence, and he actually spoke about what the Ram Furley Shield actually means to the people, the team, and he hold, holds it in high regard, which is awesome, awesome to hear. And then we had the one and only Jason Costigan <laughs> talking all things detectives from Wayne Bennett, <laughs> talking all things Warriors, and then he went off on some other tangent. It was a great, fascinating chat from Jason Costo. Uh, Louis, he was he was awesome. He was on a heater, wasn't he? We'll be back again tomorrow doing it all for a Wednesday. That was Baz and for breakfast for the 14th of September. The NPC returns this Friday after more than a month-long recess due to our COVID lockdown around New Zealand. Taranaki is leading the way in the championship with Waikato flying high in the premiership two games through, respectively, this weekend, though. This weekend, though, it's all about the Battle of the Bay. We know, I know how important this game is, and someone that knows how hugely important this game is is Mark Orzich. He is the head coach of the Hawks Bay Magpies, the mighty Magpies. Hopefully this Sunday we can call ourselves the Bay. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Izzy. How are you going? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, eh? Just... uh... Up, man, up with the kids, cereal, getting the kids cereal, getting ready for school, and then off to work, man. Just humbling, humbling parent duty. <laughs> back to school. Yeah. How good to have the kids back at school, mate. How was lockdown? Oh, man, I, school, man. Bliss, I tell you. Uh, my wife's a nurse, so she was working shift work, and uh, <laughs> so I had the three kids at home. And I, To be fair, I think they were more sick of me than I was uh, sick of them, to be fair. <laughs> Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, how was the lockdown for you as a coach? Preparations, obviously, leading towards this Sunday. You got the they have plenty of steamers at home. Um, how how was yeah. it during the lockdown trying to keep connections with the lads? And were you able to, you know, catch up when we got to level three and and, and the processes during that time? Yeah, mate. We just um we just really backed off on the footy. 
the guys trained. We had um, just our WhatsApp page and the Strava app going, so all the coaches and management and players were all doing their training and uploading their stuff, and uh, we'd catch up in units and as a team and a leadership group, but it was more social, uh, particularly the first few weeks. It was just more catching up, mm. having a yarn, uh, a few jokes, a couple of quizzes, that sort of stuff, and then once mm. we started coming down and the case numbers started coming down, then we started to sort of focus a little bit more on the footy side of it, really. Hey, Mark, the, the Bay, you guys have had such great continuity over the last couple of years. It's been like a real feature of your play. Um, the guys seem to be getting on super well. So when you have something like this, and we did have a bit of a practice at it last year, does it kind of put a bit of a halt on, especially only two weeks through the season, does it put a bit of a halt on that continuity and trying to build for the, the common goal this year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I feel like we're, we're starting again. I think the four weeks that we've had apart, like just coming in last week and the guys in the gym, uh, the energy was really good and it was just sort of bordering on nearly too much. So um, like the four weeks break allowed guys to get over niggles and whatnot and the energy's been really good. But, um, you know, the skill sets, like last week we spent a fair bit of time on skills and just getting the rust out. Um, but it's hard to replicate games in a pre-season game and you know, the grind of a week and the skills under pressure. So that's a big challenge moving into into BOP um, this week is how quickly we can mm. adjust and get back to where we were because it does take time. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I remember that, that first game, Taranaki, bit of a slip up there and then you came out and put on absolute performance against Otago in the second week. Is this week, mm. is it a case of, for you as a coach, is it, is it a case of just starting again like clean slate, what's happened in the past has happened. You've, are you bringing in any new ideas or you you got any different combinations you want to try or, or is it just a case of just boys getting in, they know the structures that we want to play and just get in there and rip in? Yeah, like uh, every team we, we look at, we look at you know a few little areas that you pick on that you might want to target. To be fair, Bopper pretty good. Um, so we've really just taken the attitude to focus focus on ourselves and get ourselves right. Um, and we know the physical challenge that Bay of Plenty are going to uh, bring, and um, well, they've got a, a pretty pretty good squad and threats all across it. So I think if we spend too much time worry about worrying about them, we just forget about ourselves and what we're good at. Mm. And so we've had a bit of a look at Bop, but mate, like you said, it's it's more um, focusing on ourselves and trying to push each other at training to get the best out of each other to. Um, you know, come come Sunday afternoon, we've had a good week's prep, and hopefully we're good to go. Hey mate, Eddie Inari's joined you from from down down south here. How's he tracking, and how have you enjoyed him? What's he brought to the side since he's made the venture up to the Hulk, mighty Hawks Bay? Yeah, man, he's um he's been super organised. Uh, he's a real real driver. I've been really impressed with just his detail and his knowledge. Like he's come out of that Crusaders system and spent mm. you know three or four years under some really good role models and um, so he stepped into that void of uh, connecting the coaches with the playing group um, and linking us together he's, as I say his, his knowledge of the game and he's been around some great minds and so uh, bringing people along with him he's always doing extra skills with whoever wants to, to hit extra skills so but I've been really impressed with him over the last you know month or so that he's been with us um, mm. And just his mannerism, the way he goes about it, you know, it's not, it's not in your face, and it's not, um, you know, 
a big pump of the chest stuff. It's just calm and concise. Um, so he's been real, real good, real settling influence in and amongst the boys. So I've been, I've been really happy with him. That's very, very kind of you to call Izzy a great mind and a role model in the same <laughs> sentence, Mark. That's um, <laughs> y- y- yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll, your check will be in the mail, way. mate. But um, look, a bit of mail, uh, bit of mail through the last couple of days. You got a new crust coming up. You're off to the Western Force, which is so exciting for you, guys. You know, worked your way up all through different rugby ranks, and now getting a taste of Super Rugby. How excited are you and the Fano, bro? Yeah, yeah, it's um, um, pretty exciting. Um, obviously, I want to do this uh, the NPC and the Magpies. Um, like mm. my focus is really firmly, uh, fairly and squarely in, in that space, but. Uh, the prospect of of going into that Super Rugby space, um, mate. If you'd have told me three months ago that I would be going to the Western Force, you know, I would have said you're you're, you're dreaming. Um, but uh, mate, it's an opportunity. It's come about. We've talked about it as a family. Um, it's probably a good time for for me uh, and with the kids and their ages and stages of where we're at. Uh, so a lot of things married up. Um, it's a hell of an opportunity. So. Um, pretty excited about the prospect and cutting my teeth in there and, and no doubt learning a, a whole lot of lessons along the way. Oh, no doubt the pockets will be full as well, mate. You didn't uh, mention <laughs> that, but where they will be, they will be for sure. But, uh, mate, uh, before we get, get on to the... <laughs> Something about Hawks Bay. Love a bit of yen, love a bit of Aussie dollar. How good. <laughs> How's Dicko? How's Dicko been anyway? Ash Dixon, the, the captain, and he's going to be a huge loss, but so proud of him. He's got to yeah. go over and start uh, paying for those, paying for his bloody million houses he's got anyway. So, how's he going? Yeah, yeah mate, no, he's good. He's still, he's still pumping away. I love him, mate. Like, he comes in, he's 33, he's done everything in the game. Over 250 first-class games, and he's still yesterday, first day in, in the gym, lifting Big Ten, pushing Big Ten, setting the mm. standards around what it's supposed to be, what it looks like to be a professional footy player, and just not cutting corners. Um, an example, last week we had a bit of a contact session. He's in there throwing down the first guy, picking on the biggest dudes, you know, so... Uh, for me as a coach, it's been a, it's been a good ride with, like, I never have to talk to the captain about standards. And so it makes my job so yeah. much easier when you've got your captain mm. leading from the front and all those facets of preparation and performance. So a uh, massive loss, but massive respect for him. Love, love Ash, man. He's such a good human. Um, and so I wish him and his family all the best, too. He's going to do well over there. So you and you and Ash have kind of in, in this latest era of Hawks Bay rugby, you guys have taken the the team to some really cool places, and and it sounds like by everything I've read, Mark, that the culture is in a super place. So is that something you're really proud of? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know it's 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 always a, it's a daily effort to make time for players. It's something we're conscious of, um, and making squad member thirty four as important as squad member number one, you know, and so we work pretty hard on our relationships with the players and every day I know the coaching staff make a point of trying to get around every single player and, and just saying hello, if, even if it's just shaking hands. Um, and so that coupled with listening to the boys and picking your battles, you know, and, and having a shared vision of where we want to go and, and the boys buying into that, um, and it's not easy. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daily 
effort to, to make those things happen. But um, man, we've been lucky with the playing group we've got and the coaching staff, um, and it seems to work. You know, we're an eclectic bunch of misfits and um, yeah, all sorts. So um, we seem to make it work. Um, and man, my job's been made a hell of a lot easier by by the players and the coaching staff and management for sure. Nice, man. Well, well we're going to look forward, uh, just before we let you go, we're going to look forward to uh, the Ramfilly Shield this Sunday. I want to ask you about the Ramfilly Shield. Earlier on in, the, in when we started out the show, we spoke about the Ramfilly Shield, the aura it, it holds, the mana it holds within the, the team. We were just we asked the question to everyone out there, does the Ramfilly Shield still hold that prestige that it, it did back in the olden days? For you, can you reflect on that? What's the Ramfilly Shield done for you 100%. and the team Hawks? Made? 100%. 100%, mate, 100%. May the community, the boys love it. May they take it all mm. round. Like, it's been everywhere through the bay. Um, yeah. And people in the street stop and talk about it. It's engaging. Um, but you've got to go and win it. Like, even though we're defending it, we've got to go and win it. And, and Bay of Plenty, the intensity that they'll bring, we know that they're going to be so up for, for this game. And um, mm. just what it does to a fixture and... Just the, the, the transition up and down the country of the Ranfurly Shield and the history and the stories that are associated with it. Um, it's fantastic to be a part of. And, you know, when you hold it and you win it, it's amazing. And then the grind of uh, trying to retain it, it's a challenge in itself. Um, but that's a good thing. It's a good challenge. And I think it gets the best out of, out of the boys, um, whether you're defending it or challenging for it. So... Man, I love it. I love the, the, the history of it, um, the legacy of it. Um, so, you know, if we can hold on to it for another few, that'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> mean, mate. Mean, I love how you said that. You never go defend it. you got to go win it every single time, and that's bloody spot on. I really, really love that call. Mark, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck for Sunday. I'll be watching Battle of the Bays up the bay, up the magpies. Go well, Mark, and all the best when you travel overseas as well, mate. Beauty boys, uh, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Catch up. No worries. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Mark Orzich there, the head coach of the Hawks Bay, Izzy's beloved Hawks Bay magpies. Did you ever play in a Battle of the Bay, mate? Did you get one up? Yeah, yeah, I played a couple, actually. Uh, they're actually... Um yeah, one of my fondest memories playing for the Magpies was always you test yourself against the bar, plenty of steamers. You know, they were all in top division before we were there. When I started playing, we came from the second division, got up there. They were always the benchmark. Had many, many games. Um, got some great, great memories from those little battles with the bar, plenty of steamers. Up against my good mate, Mike Delaney. We might have to get him on the show, actually. He brings some good chat. He brings some good banter. Yes, actually, Mike Delaney, who, what, how many tests would he have played for the All Blacks? Probably not as many as you'd thought because he came in that DC era, but he was a superb playmaker for whatever team he went to, a great game manager, and maybe could have a really interesting insight on the Damien McKenzie situation in the first fives. I mm. love that, Izzy. Let's let's try track Mike Delaney down. I tried to Google um, Izzy Day Battle of the Bay highlights, and, and this is, I'm not kidding, all I could find from 2011 when you said that you and Zach Guilford had a great game was an article where the two mascots fought each other and there was a lady wearing the Hawks Bay mascot and the, the, <laughs> the Bay of Plenty one came at her and grabbed her beak and she kneed him in the groin and seriously injured him. 
What the hell? It's a true story. I can't remember that. Two, 2011. The mascots are getting angry. Wow, <laughs> there you go. So, that carry on. Anything happens in the stands in, in Rotorua, mate, I tell you. That's exactly right. <laughs> Yesterday we heard Jason Ryan, he, the Crusaders assistant coach, talk about, well, how much tight forwards actually have to work on the field and who he's been really impressed by. So we thought we'd get Izzy to put a compilation of his hardest working players Together, first, here's what Jace Ryan said yesterday. Oh, I just think Brody Retallick has been unbelievable in the last couple of tests. Mm-hmm. I, I love him for any young lock that's aspiring to be the best rugby player they can. Watch Brody when he hasn't got the ball. So for us, we, we have a little wee, um, KPI that we're pretty proud on where we, we stat something where we have a look at what doesn't the crowd see. That is. Perfect, perfect summary from Jason Bright. And that is the perfect example of a player that does all the work but never gets the credentials that he probably deserves. And there's a lot of them out there. There is a lot of them out there. Off the ball, a lot of the people, a lot of the fans and, and, and pundits that watch games will probably watch the ball, and that's fair enough. You want to see where the ball's going, what's happening. But I dare you to just delve a little bit deeper, look a little bit closer, because where the ball is, Look at the players that are doing the hard yards. And he said, look at Brody Retallick off the ball. The work that he does off the ball to get off the ground, make tackles, put double shoulders in. He's on the ground. He's under a body. He's wriggling his way out forcefully to get out of that position, get on his feet, not actually using his hands to get on his feet. He's jumping, exploding off the ground to get into position, to be into the places um, where he needs can be bettering, can better his team. Look, I'm so lucky, so lucky in my career to be able to play with probably the greatest players to ever play the game in my eyes. Um, some unbelievable talent. But talent, they weren't talented in, in skill set. What they were talented, they had big hearts. They had big ticker. They had an unbelievable work rate. They had an unbelievable um, desire to work harder than anyone else. And I'll, I'll go through a little list that I've collated here in, in my book. So I've got obvious names, obvious names for, for everyone out there. Can't go past a guy like Matt Todd. For me, Matt Todd epitomizes what a battler is. An absolute battler. A guy that just works absolutely hard, makes all his tackles. There was games there where he'd make probably double the amount of tackles that anyone other player would make. You know, he'd make him 30 or 20 odd tackles or something like that. Something ridiculous. In rugby, that's high. In league, probably not as high as, as the league is. But 20 tackles in a game is unbelievable. So a guy like Matt Todd, who just did all the hard yards got off the ground, didn't get the rewards that he probably deserved because he was behind a pretty smart player, and he's my next player I'm going to talk about, Richie McCaw. Richie McCaw, like, let's be honest, wasn't the most talented of sports players. I know Steve Hansen said it in many, many interviews, many books he's written. Um, Richie McCaw, hor- not, not talented at all, but what he made, what made up for that talent was his big heart, his ticker, his ability to play through pain. Like playing through a broken foot, broken hand, broken finger, just working extremely hard. Uh, Richie McCaw putting his head into dark places, making all his tackles, getting off the ground. Someone like him, uh, you know, just epitomizes what a what a hard worker is. So those are the two uh, top players for me. And then Andy Ellis as well. Andy Ellis, we all know Andy. He's a halfback. Halfbacks, they are the fittest guys in the team. They need to be where the ball needs to be. They need to get rid of the ball so we can play that LQP game. 
lightning quick game that they are able to play. So Andy Ellis, just a real fitness freak. Um, the things he did out in the game to be able to put his his body his to be able to be in a position where he can make a difference for me. Andy Ellis is probably the smartest halfback that I've ever played with. Very very clever player. Uh, and then I can't go past Owen Franks. Owen Franks is a tight forward, but probably the hardest worker off the field I've ever seen. Trains hard, uh, puts so much time and effort into his body. Um, he's an absolute fitness freak. He's training constantly. He's recovering. He is looking for the next technology, the next experience, the next revolution in recovery. So he is always changing the game on how players recover to this day. Uh, and in the game, he's just great at what he does makes tackles around the park. He's so mobile, scrummaging. And then, look, my top player for me, a guy that I got to witness very, very, uh, 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 quite a few times, was a guy, Ma'anonu. Watch Ma'anonu. We'll go back and watch his clips and watch him. There is times in that game, you will see Ma'a doing the flash things. We love his big block-busting runs, his passing game, his things like that. But watch Ma'anonu when he makes a tackle on the edge. So as a midfielder, when you make a tackle on the edge, you need a split. You need a split side. So Ma'anonu would make a tackle on the right edge and then he'd get up quick, get off the ground and he'd run to the left. And then what's needed, because both most teams play wide-to-wide attack. They love to play wide-to-wide. So if they, if he stays on that short side, the, the tight forwards are going to be caught out on the open side. So you watch him constantly. He's getting off of the ground. He's running 30-metre shuttles, making a tackle there, getting back up, running 30-metre shuttles to the right. So Ma'anonu, for me, will probably have to be the hardest worker, the guy that you probably don't see it, when you're watching, and uh, yeah, so Martin Orner for me, Louis, be the hardest worker I've ever worked with, played with. Awesome. There you go. Owen Franks, Martin Nonu, Richie McCaw, Andy Ellis, and Matt Todd. More than working class men, hard working men, Izzy. Double eight, double three. There you go. Jason Ryan says it's stuff the crowd doesn't see. Well, there you go. Challenge yourself. Who do you think, now listening to Izzy, who do you think is a hard-working rugby player that we might not be the obvious choice throughout the years? Double eight, double three. Send us a text and we'll get Izzy to rate it. Kubota, together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Some weird reports coming out of the Telegraph in the UK that World Rugby is looking to potentially shift the Rugby World Cup to every two years. Now, that's an interesting concept. We'll discuss that later in the show as well. But Izzy, I can imagine you would have fancied yourself on the netball court, social netball, you know, throughout the years, <laughs> getting up there. What position were you? Oh, mate. I played I played one game. I played uh, one game for my wife's team up in Auckland. Actually, me and Corey Jane went and played that game, and that was the last game we were allowed to play. We were too competitive. <laughs> we were too uh, loud, and um, the wife really refused to play with me again because I was telling her to get into position. If I played a position, Louis, would probably be goal shoot, mate. Yeah. I'm trying to drop bombs from everywhere, mate. Irene. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Irene Dag. Here we go. Well, <laughs> the Silver Ferns season is due to start on Monday against the English Roses in Christchurch, but COVID has already disrupted their plans, postponing next month's Constellation Cup against the Aussie Diamonds. The New Zealand men's netball team have come to the Silver Ferns' rescue, and Cruz Tangera, who captained the New Zealand men's team last year, knows what it's like to face off against our world champions of netball. Morena Cruz, how are you, bud? Morena Cordova, yeah, good, thank you. How are you both? Yeah, we're good, we're good, mate. How you been? What's been happening? Uh, well, currently in lockdown uh, here in Auckland, so just trying to, you know, keep sane and, and not go too <laughs> mental. But um, pretty good, just been training and, and doing the little things here and there, but no, I've been really good. 
Nice. So how do you, yeah, what have you been doing? Like obviously lockdown, how do you keep those the netball skills up and training-wise? What have you been doing day-to-day to, to keep the skills afloat? Yeah, so just a lot of like cone and ball work against the wall and the um in the backyard. I've got a, a training program that I'm sort of sticking to over the course of the lockdown just to make sure I maintain my skills, but also my conditioning as well. Um, and then just just yeah. the basic things like running and, and biking um, in the in the streets is, is practically what I've been doing every single day. So, I mean, it's tedious training <laughs> alone. It it sucks. It's boring, but um, you have to get it done, of course. <laughs> Cruz, you're a bit of a legend of netball in this country, let alone men's netball in this country. So you know what it's like to what, what how much it means to get this opportunity to play the ferns. So every time an opportunity like this comes about, is it a big deal in the well, men's netball community? Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is. We, we're still definitely a um, minority sport, um, and here in New Zealand, everything is still self-funded, and and um, we have to do everything ourselves. So. To get an opportunity, not just to play against the Silver Ferns, but also showcase, um, you know, men's netball nationally and internationally, is is a big deal, and it just raises the profile for for our game, and hopefully we can start pushing it to a more professional level. And mate, I remember watching the game last year. It was really, really physical. There was actually some little bit of niggle out there. Can you tell us about it? What's it like out there when you're playing against the the Wahine, the Silver Ferns? Does there get a bit of chat being thrown around for between both teams? <laughs> Oh, uh, you, you know, it's all fun and games for sure, but you definitely we both teams want to win, and um, it's it's tough. Like I, I, I won't lie that the girls are the girls are extremely fit, they're physical, they're very smart when it comes to uh, the game of netball, and that's their day job as well. So they they do it, you know, yeah. week in week out when the season is. Um, so it's it's definitely tough to to compete against. And I don't know if you watched the final last year, but we lost, um, and we had a seven foot mm. shooter. So it goes to show. <laughs> how how good they really are, but, um, but yeah, no, it's it's an it's an amazing opportunity, and, and it's awesome to, to come up against them um, again. Cruz, you remember watching Izzy play footy? Um, you, you probably know. You, you probably <laughs> know, you know, know his big goose step and tongue hanging out. What sort of he reckons he's a goal shoot? What what sort of position would he play? What does his profile fit? <laughs> Yeah, I do remember him. Um, yeah, uh, playing definitely. I, I reckon. I reckon he'd be a mid quarter. To be fair, uh, I think he's got the speed and and sort of the flair to to play centre yes. or all wing attack. Um, yeah, I don't know about shooting. I, I have to see how good his, his technique is. But yeah, definitely, definitely a mid quarter. As a let's go go like shooting. I was I was watching a video when you did a Sky Sport uh, shoot for them uh, last year. I think it was. I'm watching you shoot. It's totally different from actually shooting a ball, isn't it? The netball. It's a different technique. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would say so. So I played basketball growing up in high school because um, males weren't allowed to play netball, and um, yeah, there is a different different technique to to shoot. And obviously, the the goal is a lot smaller, so you have to be a little bit more accurate. And there's no backboard, um, so it's all about just lining up your your shooting arm and making sure that that follow through is there and connecting, I guess, the the bounce of of the knees with with the follow through as well. So. Yeah, it is it is totally different and, and one that takes a lot of practice and I don't even think I'm there yet. But um <laughs> yeah, it is definitely definitely a lot different. Oh nice. Well, we're going to talk about the Silver Ferns. Um, you know, coming up in this week a uh, couple of games against England. The Constellation Cup has been uh cancelled because of COVID. COVID has its own agenda at the moment. But what are your thoughts on the Silver Ferns at the moment? They're heading in the right direction. They're, they're doing extremely well over the last couple of years, am I right? 
Yeah, no, you're you're one hundred percent right. They're doing amazing at the at the moment. I think um Nolene Toto, the the head coach, has has, has brought a word of difference to that team, just the way she infuses um, not only the the techniques of the game, but also her own personal style into her her coaching is, I think, very beneficial for uh, the Silver Ferns. And yeah, I, I think um, coming up against England, it is a new looking team. They won't have Jane Watson, they won't have Amelia and the Canasio, but they'll 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 have really good experience and really exciting young players coming through like Grace Wickey and Tiana Matoto. So I think um, with the Commonwealth Games and the World Cup the following year coming up they, they definitely are stepping in the right direction Hey alright Cruz before we let you go then I don't know how the logistics of it works and how you actually assemble this team and, and how you'd end up playing but do you think that off a short lead up the, the men can knock the ferns off this year? Are you confident or you back them in? <laughs> um, I'm like 50-50 if I'm going to be honest um, it's tough because we, we won't have a training camp or anything like that before playing then and and our team hasn't even been picked yet, so I don't even know if I'll make it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. Um, the COVID, like you said before, COVID has its mind of its own at the moment, so that's putting pressure on the team and the personnel on the team. So, I'll say I'm fifty percent confident. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, fifty percent confident. Hey, I've got a wee tip. Just throw it to the seven four. I watched that game last year. I'll just lob it. Straight over to him. He'll yeah, sit yeah. under the post and just exactly. tip it in there, a little alley-oop, mate. Is that the tactics? Well, that clearly didn't work last year, so we might have to implement something <laughs> uh, this year. But, yeah, well, I mean, he won't even be in the team because he lives in Australia and they, they obviously can't fly back because oh. of their restrictions now. So, um, yeah, we might have to... Figure something else. Just, out. just go find, just go find another, just go find Stephen Adams' brother. I'm sure he's got another sibling somewhere. <laughs> yeah. get, the, the Adams family have been going well enough. Cruz, all the best, man. Well, really, really, really appreciate you have uh, the fifty percent chance has gone down to thirty percent now. Sorry, <laughs> bud. Yeah, I think so. I think it has. Yeah. Thanks for having me, team. Thank you so much. No worries. Awesome. See you, man. Thanks, Cruz. We've had a great show so far, mate. Yes, we have. We absolutely have, Izzy. And just a quick one just to touch on just before that uh, we get to Costo is this, um, this biennial World Cup for the Rugby World Cup that's come out of the Telegraph. Trudy had it in her mm. news. They've said that they've considered it before and it's definitely something they'll cons- they want to keep considering again. This is World Rugby uh, Chief Executive Alan Gilpin. So we will watch that and just see how that progresses throughout the day on EC. In Z, very, very curious stuff. I don't think it'd be mm. a bad thing at all, but is too much rugby World Cup would that dilute the product? Anyway, we can touch on that later because it's rugby league time. Yes, it is, mate. He is well known in these waters for his great calls of the Warriors team gone by, and he has been back on the mic this year for SNZ as we ramp up our commitment to rugby league. You can listen to all finals games on the NRL or on any SENZ, and this weekend's gone, we saw some classic performance. Jason, Jason Costo Costigan has taken the early call for us across in Australia. Good morning, Costo. How are you? Izzy Louie, good morning to you. Good morning, New Zealand. And you mentioned the Warriors, so I might also mention one of my great <laughs> moments and one of the great opportunities that we were given in those days that you're alluding to was not only calling the Warriors but calling the New Zealand team that won the Rugby League World Cup for the first time. Something that gets glossed oh. over. It gets glossed yes. over a bit. And it does, it does fire me up. 
I just want to mention the Kiwis this morning, and uh, on the back of particularly our lively discussion with Sir Graham Lowe on Warriors Live mm. a couple of weeks ago, where we we probably shone a light on New Zealand sport and culture a little bit. That probably got a few people fired up. So, um, and if it did, um, tough luck. <laughs> I love it, Costa, mate. We, we're so happy to hear you back on the airways. You, your one-liners are an absolute genius. They are a cult following amongst a lot of my friends, mate. When we have a few quiet stubs, a couple of those one-liners will come out uh, during the night, and uh, we really, really look forward to hearing you on SENZ calling all of the NRL finals. So, um, But, mate, you excited to be back on the airways and, and calling the games? Well, I, I am very excited, you know, and I was just watching the, the you know the finals unroll, uh, unravel over the weekend and, you know, for example, at the Gold Coast, last time they won a finals match, oh. I think that uh, I was calling it Sky Television and Julia Gillard was the Prime Minister of Australia. So, you know, it was <laughs> a long time, but yeah, you, you laugh and laugh as you should. And, and as listeners probably are giggling as well, because, you know, it was 10 years actually in the wilderness for me. And, and for those people who mm. uh, did not know, and, uh, you know, uh, politics is uh, for the desperate and the, and the dateless. And I'm not sure if I'm not getting a date or... <laughs> how desperate I am, but I was in politics. For, I was in politics for, for for the best part of a decade, and uh, you never say never. And my love for rugby league never disappeared. It's just that the uh, you know it was curtailed, and and I was a spectator, literally going to games mm. and and whatnot. And uh, I always wanted to come back to calling rugby league, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to SENZ management to give us the uh, the chance to come back and. And, and live my dream because, you know, I'll tell you just something quickly and uh, we sort of touched on it with Sir Graham Lowe on, on the program calling the football the other day, the rugby league. One of the things yeah. I did when I was um, secretly uh, asked to come to New Zealand to audition, if you like, and it was never reported in, in the newspapers or anything like that. And we did um, revisit this recently. I actually asked a taxi driver when we came to Auckland uh, a long time ago, more than 20 years ago. And I had big shoes to fill. So, Gra- you know, I mean, so Graham knows this because, he, you know, he's got a great rapport with Graham Hughes. And Graham did a great job. And I was a great fan of Graham Hughes, a great admirer of, mm. of Graham Hughes. And I came into the country uh, auditioning. And when I w- was in the taxi, I said to the cabbie, mate, can you stop off at Carlaw Park? He couldn't understand why I wanted to go there on a weekday with no one around except grasshoppers. And I went into the place and just soaked up the history and the and the heritage and the nostalgia because it was a place that I sort of watched on television as a kid. So that's why, for me, whilst I'm not a New Zealander, you know, I, I didn't grow up supporting the, the Ponsonby Ponies or Papakura or, for, you know, for you West Aucklanders listening this morning, you know, the Teatatu Roosters, you know, and I've been to the Chook Pen out there. So I, I, I bought into that, that tribalism that started with rugby league in New Zealand kicking off in 1908. And uh, contrary to what some people think, you know, the game didn't start with the Warriors in 95, and I'm very cognizant of that. Mm. 
Costo, that that that's a great synopsis on how you kind of got into the league, and you're such a synonymous voice with the sport in our country. But over the weekend, we were kind of it's almost like the, having the Warriors out of it. You kind of kind of get it's like an exorcism. You don't actually you can actually watch rugby league and just watch it for the sport and not have the anxiety of the Warriors. So what did you make of the first weekend of finals? We had the bunker in action. We had some upset victories. What were your kind of headlines coming out of the weekend? Well, I, I think the, the most comical thing was the press conference. You know, you go and have a look at the four games. If, if you, you know, if if you uh, want to liven up your day and have a great afternoon, uh, knock off early and go and watch the replays uh, of the four semi-finals. But what about the press conference before the game between the Rabbitohs and the Panthers? And and it probably didn't uh, register with a lot of people. Um, but I had a look at actually, I actually played the replay of the press conference involving the master coach, Wayne Bennett. Mm. And just to paraphrase for the benefit of you and all the listeners, that Wayne Bennett basically uh, blew up the Penrith Panthers before the game where he exposed their blockers, as he's called them. Now, Nathan Cleary kicks downtown, right? Everyone's got a playmaker. Uh, and rugby league's no different to that. So Cleary is the coach's son, of course, and I remember him as a young lad uh, in uh, St. Helier's going to visit his father mm. uh, and his mother years ago when I was calling. And uh, and he and he knows this, and he certainly father has not forgotten either. And uh, his father's got a big job this week because he's got to rebuild Penrith after a shock defeat in South Sydney. What Wayne Bennett said about his uh, terminology calling out Penrith for using blockers in, in interfering in, in in people from South Sydney and other teams trying to put pressure on Cleary. Not illegal pressure, within the rules of the game, within the laws of the game. And and he said, and they train for it. And we know this because, you know, I've got a good source. So there's espionage in rugby league. I kid you not, Wayne Bennett, a former policeman, has basically blown Penrith out of the water before the game. And this is South Sydney. That was basically, everyone said they're finished. They're, they are cactus. They are dead set cactus. And uh, <laughs> they came out and they, and they won. And I can't believe it because I guess, I gotta tell you fellas, I didn't tip South Sydney. I thought anyone who no. did needed to go and get a CAT scan. On <laughs> <laughs> the same, on the same cost. Ivan Cleary got blown out of the water and the Panthers got blown out of the water. Uh, and, and there's allegations of, of a leak from the NRL. How did it get out in the media? And, and Wayne Bennett put on a, an amazing display at a press conference for a bloke who doesn't say too many words. You know those old competitions with Cadbury Schweppes, 25 words or less? How do you reckon, you reckon Wayne Bennett used to love them or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Benno, mate. So, so you reckon he, he rattled, that, that cost them the game? The, oh, for the sure. Panthers went into that game. Mate. Oh, he blew him up. <laughs> you know, if Ivan Cleary was uh, in a submarine, Bennett dropped the depth charges and the submarine went to the bottom. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't pick that, Costa. Forget, I didn't pick I, that at all. I just, yeah, I just want to tell you again, he, this is Wayne Bennett, the former policeman, you know, that doesn't mind a bit of an investigation. What do you reckon? And, and he has spies <laughs> up at Penrith. <laughs> so Benny's got, Benny's got all these, what, secret cameras in, uh, in pot plants? This is 
What oh. is this? Oh, I don't know. I, who's the spy? Who's the double agent at the foot of the mountains? Well, what we do know is there's some sort of mole up at Penrith, and <laughs> they spill their beans to Benny before the game, and he's just blown them up at the per- most perfect time. And those mind games have rattled Penrith, rattled Ivan Cleary, who I've got great respect for, great time for, great admiration for. And, uh, you know, I've known Wayne Bennett for a long time, and his contribution to the game has been enormous. What a colossal figure he's been, helping the Kiwis win that Rugby League World Cup that I was touched on at the top of our discussion, mm. uh, coaching England, coaching in the Brisbane Rugby League. He was there with Don Ferner. Uh, at the Canberra Raiders many, many moons ago. The late Don Ferner, senior I'm talking about. Of course, the Broncos, St. George Illawarra, where he did well winning a premiership with my cousin Neville Costigan, coaching Newcastle. Uh, you know, his legendary stuff at the Broncos. <laughs> He's still going strong and still got it when some people are just collecting the pension, having a, having a couple of schooners <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. Hey, Costo, yeah. you tell you who else is going strong and it's kind of same sort of vein, consistently excellent, is the Melbourne Storm. What, what does anyone oh. have to do to get a break on them? I mean, it just, you can't, like, Craig Bellamy in this outfit, how slick are they? I'm going to I'm gonna get some people, uh, in, in the, and I love the city of Christchurch, so I'm going to get them fired up this morning. I'm going to say it on your program. <laughs> I said on social media... And I think I think you blokes know where I'm going. Say it. I did, I did say it that in the 21st century in the Southern Hemisphere, the Melbourne Storm have set the benchmark when it comes to franchise football as a professional team week in week out. They are number one. And yeah, I want that switchboard to light up, baby, like a Christmas tree. They are unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. And Craig Bellamy, guess where he learned his coaching under Wayne Bennett. I wonder if he knows a little bit about counter-espionage. And I'll tell you what, Wayne Bennett, I can't confirm on your program this morning of a possible future after rugby league with ASIO as the head of intelligence for Australia's government. <laughs> You've got all conspiracy on us, Costa. Costa. <laughs> you are so random. I love this chat. You, I, have, I you have wound up some cantabs. There's one sitting here too, mate. You've wound that? me right up. What about Baz? He's coaching over in the desert. He could be having fun with us this morning. What a fool. He probably signed with He's you. earning billions, mate. Yeah, He's like yourself, earning yeah, billions. But, 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 hey, but the gags are priceless. Who gives a rat? <laughs> don't don't worry. He, oh. he'd, he'd side with you, Costa. He'd, he'd, he'd say the Melbourne Storm and although the look, the Crusaders they've just won so much, so much. I mean, you could stack it up now. Tell us, tell us. Lastly, Costa, tell us uh, before we let you get back to you because we've got you up early. Tell tell us about what's happened with the Grand Final, the AFL Grand Final going up against the Melbourne Storm prelim because oh, well, there's well, been well, a bit of a shift, yeah, hasn't it? Well, there has been a bit of a shift. It's marvellous because like how things change, and there was a few people blowing up yesterday, and so in the course of when we spoke off air, between yesterday and today, today there's been a change, and I can tell you, having spoken to the NRL yesterday, uh, they had great cooperation from their broadcast partners, both Channel 9 and Fox, they agreed that the game involving Melbourne, the preliminary final, they say that they've changed the telecast time, but at one stage there yesterday, I had people coming to me and other, other, other people anyone who was willing to listen, blowing up Deluxe, blowing a gasket. They were going into Repco getting spare parts because <laughs> if you love the Melbourne Storm, you had to choose between the AFL Grand Final 
and 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 no rugby league, and and they were having a breakdown, a nervous nally. So the NRLs responded. They've had cooperation from the broadcast partners. So for Melbourne Storm people, who who probably don't get a lucky break, just to let people know, it's still a you know, in Melbourne, it's a bit like going behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. You know, welcome to Belgrade. Hello. You don't, you don't get a lot of rugby league down in Victoria. And, um, you know, and, and I can tell you that Wayne Bennett's not responsible for that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're an absolute champion. What a, what a little interview you've given us this morning, Costa. It would be remiss of me not to ask you. Give us a couple of your greatest one-liners before you go, mate. The people want it. Oh, I'm ready to go to bed. The people want it. Well, I've, got one, I've got one here. I've got one here. It's got Jerry, see you, Sue, and I'll see you, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> I don't know that, but look, look, they were great days. And I just want to say that I was looking at some photographs, thanks to Andrew Corniger from Photosport, um, a great friend of mine, is arguably New Zealand's leading sports photographer and uh if you want to get on my Twitter feed at Costo Jason, how's that? More plugs than your local hardware. Good store. little plug before uh, you go. I love it. For, for, for Shameless. Sure. I'm having some prospective station sponsors to contact your people and say that we can say to Baz, hey, mate, you went away, but it didn't fall apart, did it? <laughs> it wasn't We're like, still it wasn't floating, like the mate. Beige. The lights are hey, on. It wasn't like the old days of the Beige Brigade. You get one, you get plenty. Costo, thank you for your time this morning, Costo. Bloody appreciate it, mate. You go back to sleep and uh, enjoy the. Go back to sleep, mate. And enjoy the NRL this weekend. It's great stuff. We get to watch it uncomplicated with the Warriors done and dusted for the season. But we'll catch up again at some stage soon, mate. Go well. I'll be having dreams of 110 kilos of prime Polynesian beef coming straight up Main Street. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you you later, Costa. Izzy, Costa is on another level, isn't he? He's... Is he still asleep, mate? That was the most random IV I've ever done, but it was great. Great chat from Costa out of Australia. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.